You're listening to MTL Bike Thief, Episode 6, a pod play about rebellion and bike theft during Montreal's summer of protests. Be warned, it's full of swearing, violence, and terrible jokes. Remember, it's meant to be taken in the spirit of good humor, even if you don't think it's very funny. Chapter 22, Strange Familiar Voices. Sarah found herself in a strange state of being, not simply due to the fact that she was tied up with a black bag over her head. Just get it over with! Wilson DeWitt, he wants to question her himself. Fuck Will! Yeah, well fuck you, man. We might need her. And so, a little drunk and a little soiled, Sarah sat awaiting what she could only assume was going to be a preachy and socialist propaganda-riddled execution. But after a long, empty silence, she finally came to the realization that they'd fucked off altogether. Then came the wait. The silence. The quiet inner turmoil as Sarah wondered whether or not she truly wanted to be rescued. To be fair, she had no doubt that of course she fucking did. Who the fuck wants to die, right? But the silence left her all the time in the world to wonder whether she'd ever go back to her life as it once was. Simple, lovely, calm. Little girl, little girl, do be careful. There are wolves about. Sarah finally had a glimmer of hope. Until... Hey there, Miss Sarah. Let's have us a chat. Fuck! Dom ripped her from the closet and pinned her against the wall, eyes bulging and arms shaking like a Muppet with Andre the Giant's hand up its ass. Now play nice, Dom. Was she playing nice when she crushed my friend's head? Whoa! I didn't kill him, okay? I mean, he may have crawled under the truck to chase after me and, yeah, I kicked his belt into the undercarriage. Shit, 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 shit! Can I change my answer? Dom once again banged her head against the back of the closet, sending her consciousness into chaos. Sarah, honey, just give him what he wants. I don't have the parts, no matter how he labors. She looked ashamed of herself, avoiding Sarah's gaze like a dog covered in garbage. Sarah had to accept it. Et. Brute. Sam and Dom both shared the same puzzled look as Dom pushed harder into Sarah's throat. Sarah had been trying to quote Julius Caesar, but didn't quite have the wherewithal to follow through. You killed my friend. You sick the cops on my bathhouse. So believe you me, I'm giving you something few others get. One more chance to stay in the land of living tonight. Where are the brakes? What? Really? You're broken fucking record, you know that? As Dom shut off the flow of oxygen to Sarah's brain, a string of thoughts flew through her mind. Why the hell does he want Godwin's research? Where did they take L.A.? Why did Dom smell like peaches? Is that a cologne, or did he just eat some peaches? It was possible the lack of oxygen was starting to get to her. Hey! Play nice, Dom. As the light faded from Sarah's eyes, Dom finally let up, allowing her to catch her breath. Whoa! Whoa there, big fella! Will has the drive! Will! Fuck! You know what's on it? Uh-huh. Do you know where they went? Nuh-uh. Well then, Red Square, it seems you've outlived your usefulness. Now wait a minute. Sam, you take one step closer, you're gonna join her. It was about this time that Sarah noticed the bulge in the front of Dom's pants. Either he had the weirdest and most misshapen penis she'd ever seen, or his Pearl Grip 357 Magnum was cocked and at the ready. One last chance. Where is Will? He's your friend! Friend? No. Will is business. You and me are closer to being friends than me and him, and I'm all but one short impulse for making a tunnel between your mouth and the back of your skull! For some, this may have been an idle threat, 
But as Dom pulled the gun from his pants and fit the barrel into Sarah's mouth, she couldn't help but feel like he was being his most genuine self. Also, where exactly had it been holstered? If you want to blackmail a bunch of kids about a secret computer program, you may not want to kill the one person who understands it. The thing is, I don't think she does. In fact, I'm willing to bet money she doesn't have the slightest clue how to find Godwin's break, let alone the students. His rake? At last, Sarah had one clear, coherent thought. She turned to the satchel at her feet and once again noticed the red QR code hidden beneath the sticker. With her free hand, she pointed to the sticker, eliciting just enough curiosity from Dom to allow him to pull the barrel from her mouth. If they have the drive, then it should be live, right? Dom considered this, then scanned the code. A moment went by as the phone was thinking, and Sarah could see her life slipping away with each passing second that load screen spun around, searching for the server. Come on! Then, a simple table of contents loaded up. City Hall, SPVM, SQ, Jacques Cartier, and at the very top, McGill University. Fucking McGill! Boom goes the dynamite. What is this? One by one, they take out the bridges, the police, the public transit, the, the local, provincial, and federal heads, and give the city its new, educated elite. Take out? Don't worry about it. The question is, where would they start? Again, Sarah had a hunch, but a hunch works only as well as a huncher, or hunchy? Either way, she needed proof. Dom and Sam followed Sarah to her now ex-office on the IT floor. After trying her card three times... Come on! Dom took matters into his own hands. Oh! And Sarah led them back to a cubicle, signing in with her co-worker's ID and password conveniently taped to the bottom of his keyboard. They're piggybacking off of someone else's network. So all we need is the IP address to do a reverse lookup and... And there it was. They were hosting from the McGill University Admin Building, the very site of the lockdown protest one month before. Fucking McGill. So... what now? Dom gently lifted his revolver, silently weighing the pros and cons of killing the one person with the technical know-how to actually help them. The maniacal laughter didn't help to put Sarah at ease. Now, you wait, little Miss Sarah. In a sign that her life had gotten a little out of control, Sarah felt a surge of relief as Dom produced a length of rope and tied her up with Sam. Not since Alain's foray into bondage had she been so happy to see so much rope. Chapter 23, The Best Worst Rescue. Dom left Sam and Sarah tied back to back under the desk in a cubicle at the back of the expansive and empty IT office. This was the Thursday before a long weekend. Not a soul would find them till Monday, and Sarah had a sneaking suspicion that before then, Dom would come back to finish what he'd started. But even if she could escape, she'd lost the will to keep fighting. Her boyfriend was a murderer, her best friend betrayed her, and her city was about to become a cheap ripoff of a Christopher Nolan Batman film. And so, Sarah made the informed and healthy decision to simply give the fuck up on life. You can say it, you know. It'll make you feel better. When Dom pushed, you flipped faster than a flapjack in a pancake house. All right, not your best analogy. You know, nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect? That's your apology? He wanted my bar, okay? I didn't have a choice. That's what the Nazis said. The Nazis wanted my bar. No, they said, you know, no choice. I think you mean 
They followed orders. Yes, fine. And how dare you compare this to the Holocaust? I wasn't. That's exactly what you were doing. I mean, maybe a little, but wait, don't you turn this around on me. Too late, hun. You did it for me. You know what, man? You're a real dick. Ugh, look, I'm sorry I gave you up. I thought Seb would just, I don't know, take the bike brakes and give you a slap on the wrist. Thanks to you, we're gonna die in my office. And Alain's gonna die at McGill. And all for what? What the hell was the point of all this? Hun, are we feeling all right? No, we most certainly fucking aren't. Fuck, I mean, it's funny. I never thought I'd die at work. For what it's worth, I don't think anyone did. Listen, if it's worth anything to you, I'm sorry, Sarah. Sorry. Well, actually, no, it isn't, but... Since we'll probably die soon, fuck it. I forgive you, I guess. I forgive you too. What? Okay, fuck! <laughs> hey, hey, I've never been more happy and or frustrated to see you. Her supervisor untied them and called the police. Sarah mentioned the name Detective Blunt, but Sam had other plans. Before the supervisor could text his protest, Sam had pulled Sarah into the elevator and out the front door. All right, hon, what's the plan? She wondered why Sam would ever ask her for a plan. Maybe she was just as lost as Sarah. Maybe the two deserved each other. Maybe they needed guidance, whatever the reason. The plan, the plan, the plan is to come up with a plan. Solid. And so Sarah and Sam retreated to Sarah's happy place, Grumpy's half-basement bar a few blocks away. I just, fuck, man. I need a minute, okay? I need to think. All right, let's think. And drink. And link together the errant thoughts in our heads until something resembling a cohesive plan forms. Okay. I mean, would it be so bad if we just let the cops handle this? Maybe. But then, best case scenario, Alan goes to jail for murder. Is that what you want? Dude, I don't know. Worst case scenario, he gets taken out in a body bag. Oh, fuck. I can't not call the cops, because I'd look weird. But if something happened to him, this is crazy. Sam and Sarah finished their pints and rolled out of the bar, stepping out just in time for a few thousand students to march past, blocking access to every potential Uber and, or God forbid, taxi. Shit! Plan B. What? We need to get some wheels. Chapter 24, the hop, skip, and a jump to a new world order. Shit! Plan B. What? We need to get some wheels. Who? What? Before turning this into an Abbott and Costello routine, Sam grabbed Sarah by the hand and dragged her towards a Bixie stand. Sam pedaled as Sarah rode the handlebars, taking the extra long way around the protesters to get to McGill. As they approached the Roddick gates, the ostentatious, if still architecturally gorgeous entrance to the grounds, Sarah received a call from a blocked number. Alain? Miss Lee, it's Detective Plunt. Hey there, Detective. I need to talk to you about the Bullier arson case. The what? No, listen. Do me a favor and come into the station. Yeah, I... Do not make me come after you. I've waited long enough for your shit. Okay, okay, pick me up. Fine. No, you! You pick me up! At McGill, the admin building. 
What followed was a 20-second pause too awkward to reproduce orally. Uh, fine! 20 minutes! 20 minutes! Good. Would you mind explaining what the hell that was about? I... I'm not sure. She really wasn't. You know how I feel. Look, I just feel like having a cop present might help us stay not dead, you know? You know what's wrong with you, Sarah? You're not wrong, but you're also not right. I don't know how to take that, man. After ditching the bike, both women ran towards the James administration building, a 90-year-old brownstone with a recent million-dollar facelift. But even as they crept inside, they felt that something was off. No one was there. The whole building was a ghost town. It could be the quiet before a long weekend, or a post-massacre calm. Ah! Oh! Wait, that's just me. Okay, so we're on the same network now, which means they're here. They want to cause trouble. My guess, they're in the server room fucking with the school data. Can't you just ping the drive, find out where it is? Um, computers aren't bats. All I know is that they're piggybacking off the network here. I just don't know what- Sarah stopped talking mid-where. Dead ahead, beside the IT room, was a large, fresh pool of blood, like a beacon calling them forward. You know, if I were them, I'd have cleaned that blood up. And as if on cue, the tall conspirator opened the door, mop and bucket in hand. It might have been the shock or the genuine lack of any sort of plan on any of their parts, but for three and a half seconds, no one moved. Then... <laughs> Sam threw the first punch, but the conspirator dodged it. Sarah stood there dumbfounded until deciding to throw the only thing she could think of. Son of a bitch! She was getting good at beating people on the head, this time with her cell phone, which, incidentally, broke in the scuffle. The conspirator stumbled backwards, reaching for his 8-inch bowing knife. Unfortunately, like a well-choreographed if gruesome Chaplin film, he slipped backwards and the blood falling flat on his ass. Momentarily distracted, he didn't notice the knife slip from his hands and land right at Sam's feet. She dove for the knife and now had the upper hand. The conspirator quickly backed up, knocking into the lifeless corpse of an IT tech. Jesus! <laughs> Presumably only just then remembering that this was the man he murdered, the conspirator struggled to stand, but stayed seated at Sam's behest. Fuck you, you cunt! Whoa, language. His eyes kept jumping across the room to Sarah, or beside Sarah. She looked around, finally noticed a backpack with a large red square on the cover. Curious, she reached inside. Damn it! It's not here! All he has is protein bars and a stupid stun gun. Sam waited a good few seconds for Sarah's mind to catch up with her mouth. Oh, I should I should take, the, should stun take gun. the stun gun. Okay, kid. Where is everyone? Fuck! Hey. You! You know what? Let's play a game. Sam grabbed the stun gun and loaded the cartridge. Alright. Where's Alain? Fuck you! You're a broken fucking record, you know that? Sam took aim at the man's chest. What are you? Whether by happy accident or very much on purpose, Sam shot the leads two feet lower than she meant to, landing, she assumed, directly on his testicles. Uh, uh, Suspicion confirmed. I'll tell you! Please! Please! Okay, sweetheart, time's a waste. The gear's in the basement! And Will? Generators! Before he could get another word out, the conspirator collapsed unconscious in a pool of some other poor schlub's blood. But they had their answer. Sam and Sarah raced off down the stairs into the basement, chasing after what they could only assume was everyone else. When they finally reached the basement, wandering through darkened generator rooms, they actually found... It smells like shit down here. Uh, nothing. Maybe a sewage leak? And I don't see any red squares. 
Well, torture doesn't always yield the best intel. You're the one who tasered his balls. I'm not saying I'm innocent. I'm just saying. This time it was Sam's turn to stop mid-word. But instead of a pool of blood, she found a fat little conspirator crouched behind a large barrel of industrial waste with a red blinking light. Hey there, hot staff. This one, however, seemed more tense than the last, his hand visibly shaking over the keyboard atop the barrel. Either he was scared, or he was jacking off the invisible man. Honey, you know that we can see you, right? This might be a weird question, but did you shit yourself? No, maybe. Maybe? How do you not- Shit. Yeah, shit. Shit bomb. Shit bomb? What is that, a saying? Oh, like ammonium nitrate. Shit! No, I guess, maybe? Ammonium nitrate. An explosive that industrious little terrorists fashion from fertilizer. Now, honey, what are you planning on doing with this lovely big barrel of explosive shit? Chapter 25, TikTok. When Sam woke up that morning, the first thing to go through her head was, ow, my fucking back, as Dom slammed her against the bar. The second thought, as he raised his pro-gripped revolver to her head, was, is this the day I die? While she'd since dismissed this as pessimistic nonsense, she was ready to once again entertain the possibility. Now, honey, what are you planning on doing with this lovely big barrel of explosive shit? The fat little conspirator didn't seem to know. His right hand was shaking so hard he could barely hold onto the barrel. You don't want to blow us up now, do you? There was a distinct chance that he did. Why would you want to go and blow us up? Look at you, you're shaking. It's for Phoenicia. Phoenicia. Wait, wasn't that the name of Godwin's research? Like his plan for Montreal. We will be reborn from the ashes. Oh, like a phoenix. That's what the numbers are in the research. They're detonation codes. Oh, shit. They're gonna blow up a lot of shit tonight. Do you realize that you are crazy? Or is part of being crazy that you don't realize it? This apparently struck a nerve because the conspirator had to lean in to make his point, all the while letting his fat folds cover the keypad atop the bomb. We don't mean it literally, okay? We're reshaping the island's political structure. No, I get that. Still crazy. While he felt the need to lean further forward, Sam felt the need to further antagonize, and Sarah felt the need to sneak a peek at his computer, noticing something altogether alarming. Guys. We're not crazy, which by the way is an inconsiderate epithet to use considering the very real struggles faced by the mentally ill. We're freedom fighters. Please. Every pseudo-terrorist with a god complex calls themselves freedom fighters. Seriously, guys. We're doing this for you guys. When this city is free of its provincial and federal shackles, it'll thrive like nothing since ancient Rome. Rome fell to corruption. Eventually, sure, but- Idiots! Shut up and look at the monitor! What they all then became aware of was the ticking clock in the middle of the screen, signifying that the countdown had begun. They apparently only had nine minutes and 43 seconds left. 42, 41, 40. Uh, we should go. Can't you turn it off? Not even if I wanted to, which I don't know, cause we- The future? Yes, uh, we're shaping the future so we can all, shit! What? I forgot about the others. Only just then remembering the rest of his comrades in arms, Sam, Sarah, and the chubby little conspirator chased off through the building, running up four flights of stairs to the provost's office. I see Alain tied to a chair next to some Thatcher-looking bitch in a skirt suit. <laughs> Judith Kitchener, the McGill provost? 
Wait, why aren't we going in? A fair question, taking into account the literal ticking time bomb. But as quickly as he opened his mouth, Sam shut it for him with a quick jolt from her stun gun. Hang! For a heavy fellow, he went down like a featherweight. Okay, I don't see Dom or Will, or anyone else, really. Maybe they moved on? Son of a bitch! Or not. No, you're a child! Sam and Sarah stared at one another confused. Who was he talking to? No, I had to do the bike shot first. They could have fingered us. No, you listen to me, you micro dick fucknuts! Maybe Tom never made it. Maybe. Let me take another peek. Sarah peeked through the small opening of the door. Don't see him. Maybe you're right. She perched herself against the back of the door, inadvertently committing herself to a gag ordained by the gods of comic timing. Like Frankenstein's monster fresh from a raid on the fetish shop, Dom stepped out from the office to light his cigarette, knocking Sarah to the ground, mercifully out of sight. Unfortunately, this lined him up perfectly with Sam and the now unconscious conspirator. Why, hello there, Dolly. After a little coaxing from his pearl grip revolver, Sam handed him her stun gun and Dom slipped it into the pouch next to his coin purse. Then she carried the fat little conspirator into the room with Dom smoking behind her, still oblivious to Sarah on the other side of the door. Dom, I asked you to smoke that out. What is she doing here? The hell are you doing here? That is a million dollar question, isn't it? Well, I'm gonna need at least a half a million dollar answer. And where's your girlfriend, Sarah? We had a parting of the ways. I've come to join the fight. What? Nope. You're right. I grew jealous of her uterus and I killed her in a rage and I'm now a gun for hire. Try again. I missed you and wanted to cuddle. One last chance. Stop fucking around. It occurred to Sam that no matter what she said, he'd probably still pull the trigger. Then, a miracle appeared outside the window and Sam finally saw her answer. All right. Honestly, I... I came here to tell you, this place is about to get very fuzzy, very fast. She pointed towards the window where Dom spotted the rotund policeman from before, now standing beside his cruiser. Oddly enough, this only seemed to encourage Dom. A disturbing, almost perverted smile spread across his face, and all at once, the blood drained from Sam's. Well then, we got no time to lose. With that, Dom raised the gun to Sam's head. For the third time that day, she wondered if maybe it was going to be her last. Thank you for listening to MTO Bike Thief and the wonderful cast that includes Adrienne Richards, Eric Davis, Matthew Keyes, Corey Tomimic, Don Ford, Jonathan Dubsky, Jesse Sherman, Wyatt Bowen, Alex Gravenstein, Todd Fennell, and Simon Peacock. Narrated by Daniel Kay, engineering by Michael Fitch at Studio 2MO. Original score by Michael Fitch. Additional tracks, including Funkorama, Seafunk, Protofunk, Funk Game Loop, Back Vibes, As I Figure, Bass Walker, Fast Talking, Controlled, Chaos, One-Eyed, Maestro Pop Goes, The Weasel, Anxiety, Prelude in Action, Too Cool, Cold Funk, Back on Track, Cool Rock, Just Nasty, Dub Eastern, Anguish, DD Groove, Longing and Concern, all provided by Kevin McLeod. Acoustic Blues, Ice Cold, Namaste, provided by Audiotronics, and Direct Video, provided by Chris Zabriskie. All of these I should mention are provided under a Creative Commons license, so thank you. You like what you hear? Well, keep listening and tell your friends. Hate it? Tell your friends it's great and watch their excitement melt away as you laugh in ironic judgment, you sick son of a bitch. The next episode can be found exactly where you found this one, so good luck.